You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th. And it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose. And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Alex. Hello, Nicholas. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It's Monday morning. I got my coffee. Uh, yeah. ready, ready for the week. Ready yeah, to that's... dive into to what the week has to bring me. That's lovely. Let me tell you two problems that I have, uh, you know, because I love that your your Monday is lovely. My day is not lovely. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Number one, snowing outside, you know, so that's that's never the most yeah, fun. Yeah, see, it's like 70 degrees here. Yeah, you can, you can fuck right off with your 70 degrees. Here's the other thing. Uh, burger, half-eaten burger that was in my fridge, uh, ate it, immediately not feeling good about that decision. And like, I don't think, I don't think it's food poisoning. I don't think I'm going to throw up. It doesn't feel like that, but it's just like, when mm. did you order this burger? The burger was ordered, I believe, Thursday night. This we're, we're, we're recording this on a Monday, by the way. Monday is when we're recording this. So it was okay. In the so f- this is a three day old burger. Now, is this a nice burger or not nice burger? Nice and I burger. Ask because it's a nice burger. Okay, so nice you burger. had to you had to choose how you wanted that thing cooked. Yeah, this was this was this was an expensive burger. It's like a that's like a, a tw- that's a thick patty. Thick and and how do you take your burger? Medium. But this one was medium, medium. yeah, medium little, pink, little pinky on the inside, little pinky on the inside, yeah. And then since Thursday night, it's been sitting there. Well, in the fridge, but yeah, yeah. Sounds like you got you got greedy. I got greedy. You did food? You had a good burger sitting there. I did. You got greedy. This is not good. Speaking of which, well, and this is this, you know, so so yeah, we're you know speaking of the greed, the greed movie which is this episode today. So again, these are these cold opens being recorded in the future, talking about things in the past. We have our guest, the incredible Kelly Coyne from, uh, from such amazing shows as, uh, as, 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 as the Americans and uh, right now billions. Uh, he is such an incredible actor. Um, I have an amazing story about how I met this person. Um, and, and that is what the episode is on today. We actually, again, in classic little justice fashion, do not get to the movie in this episode. So if you're like, looking for the... It's becoming yeah. a trend. I feel like we should get some feedback on if people actually care or not. Because I yeah. mean, these conversations, they get too interesting. You know, they they're get, too much fun. And you don't, you don't want to stop and talk about movies. And here's the thing. Once we pop the top on Kelly, he goes. And that was oh, kind of man. the brilliance too, was that he's Kelly... He's such a beautiful man. He's just such a good soul. And he just... Like, first of all, we, we have to be honest with you. It took us 30 minutes to figure out tech-wise how to get him in the room. It was like, it, that was a journey in itself, which I partially wish we'd recorded. But once we got in, he was, it was, I mean, the session went for like two and a half hours. Um, so, you know, I think that this is going to be, 
a really great one, then you'll have another one where we actually at some point talk about movies. But even then, I don't even think that that goes right to the movies. This is this is going to be two episodes of just insanity. This is going to be two episodes of insanity. And then on top of it all, after those two episodes of insanity, we're taking a little break. Yes, we are. Resetting all the gears. Yeah, we're going to rebrand. We're going to rebrand. Re- rebrand pod. is how we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah. And then we're and then we're coming back big, baby. Yeah, then we're going to have we're going to video and we're going to have strippers and fucking confetti and cake. There's going to be cake, yeah. right? We are doing cake. Yeah. It's a podcast, not a Colombian drug lord birthday party, but you know, what's the difference? Little Justice. Little Justice. Little Justice. Fuck yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, Welcome back. Welcome back to Little Justice, this thing that we do for, for no good reason. I am Nick Walker. Who are you? Who's Alex? Um, Alex Smolo. That's amazing. It is. And, uh, you know, we're here. We have we have movies that we talk about. But today we, we have a very awesome guest, uh, a man who, uh, I mean, I would I truly does not need an introduction because literally you just look up anything with his name and you're going to find just a myriad, a myriad, a myriad of stuff that this man is involved in and doing. Um, he, he and, and more specifically, I would say that one of the most amazing things about this man is like a special connection that truly Alex has no idea. No, I'm, I'm excited. You've built this story. It better be a good story. It though, is a good story. Built it up like, like, no, no, no. You just wait till we record and I'm going to tell you all about it. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Kelly, so. get on in here. Kelly, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. No, I can't wait to see if this is going to live up to the hype or not. It might not. I mean, I don't know. It's 2021. Like, we don't know anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, stories, yes. The world's a fall. Reality's right? been heightened since you guys met. Like, the, what was interesting then maybe is a little just it's, muted now. It's like, ugh, now. It's yeah. like very creepy, but let's let me. Let me it's let me, like meh. creepy. Let's not go with creepy just yet. But like, yeah. let's let's see where it, let's see where it lands. Let's see where it lands. You're right. The, why am the, I why am I putting a judgment on it? You're right. I'm sorry. We gotta let it echo through us and reverberate. <laughs> echo through. Just like when we were trying to set this up. And it's like, what what you the guys, fuck is wrong with Kelly's not, mic? Do what not guys, invite the echo back. What you guys don't know is that prior to this, we spent a good ten minutes trying to figure out why there was an echo in this recording studio right and it was it was beautiful i mean we figured it out like it is we are on it now but like sure guys Can, then yes may i bring something up i thought Please. it was really interesting that y'all picked on the old guy and you all assumed no nope. it was me nope i did too i went there right away i was like it's all this is kelly what's wrong with kelly's mic and then it turned out to be alex but the thing exactly it, it was it was me <laughs> to be to be fair in 30 episodes, we've never had this. It, somehow, I've never had to hit the echo cancellation button. I assume we all had an echo cancellation button. Everything's fine. No, but, uh, but and t- today's the day. You know, you bring the old man in, and it just goes crazy. The old, a little old echo man, bring him in. <laughs> little old man. Uh, the the. But thanks, thankful for uh, for our producer Brittany, who saved our butts yes. as as she as she's wont to do. She's awesome. Uh, she's awesome. Uh, so so Alex, let me tell you the story. Let's go back. Please. We're gonna go back in a time machine to 2005 all right there's a show there's a show that is being done on broadway on the broadway i don't know if you've heard of it it's a thing and it's called julius caesar and uh the 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 man playing brutus is an actor named denzel washington and uh it was it you know this was a huge like this was like buzz production i was i was i think uh what 2005 so i was eight 
13 at the, I don't even know how old I was anymore. I don't know. I'm too old now. Uh, but, but I was, I was a young man with, with young man thoughts and ideas and things. I think, no, I was much younger than that. I was much younger than that. But point being, I was so excited about this production because we had just done Anthony uh, and Cleopatra at my high school. Um, whether we were qualified as high schoolers to be doing Anthony and Cleopatra is a discussion for another day. But uh, I was obsessed with the character of Octavius. And uh, Octavius Caesar in Antony Cleopatra has just a very interesting arc. He's kind of in the middle of this battle and then very, very kind of underhandedly manipulates the entire thing um, mm -hmm. and comes out on top of this. And uh, I had so many questions about how Julius Caesar, which is in a lot of ways the prequel to Antony Cleopatra, connects to uh, Antony Cleopatra. And so I go to see this play and I'm, I'm young and I'm, I'm dumb and I'm excited and it's intense. I mean, truly, and Kelly, we got to talk about this. You guys pretty much put what I, I can only imagine was inspired by the Iraq war up on stage. So like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like when I say there's full out like explosions and rubble falling, I mean, it was, it was insane. It was yeah. truly like watching like the Manchurian candidate, but oh no, it's Julius Caesar. And it's, and it's just like this, this, all-encompassing thing really huge production um and the actor that was playing this role of octavius was was spectacular and truly just had a a way of of navigating this text in that role that that was like even then as like a, as a kid i was like okay this is there's just something really cool going on here and so i we you know when you when you go see a, Bro a broadway show you stage door or if you're a fan, you stage door. Um, sometimes like actors may or may not, may not stage door. Like, it, you know, it may not happen. Like, especially, I think this was a matinee. So it's a two show day of like a very intense show. Um, so most actors, I, I can say now, like, you know, it's very tempting to like not come outside to like go and do a smoke break or go and get your lunch or whatever. Uh, every you know Denzel comes out the horde of Denzel fans crowd Denzel Denzel gets into his car he goes wherever he goes and that's and whatever um I wasn't waiting for Denzel I was waiting for this guy who played Octavius and um I wonder who it's gonna be I wonder who's gonna be <laughs> the thing I the thing I want to say is this it was so, Bradley Whitford <laughs> <laughs> my he god I would have done he was phenomenal. But the thing, no, what I want to say is this. This is this is what really sparked it for me. So he, Kelly comes out and again, matinee. So you got you got two shows that day. I had the most asinine question. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was so ridiculous. But you not only took the time to talk to me, you talked to me for a good 15 minutes. Like, and I and and it was one of those moments that I will never forget because you were you had just been on stage on Broadway doing Shakespeare. You were a legend to me already without even knowing you. And the idea that you would take the time to talk to me, like you have to, like, again, giving you full context, I was at a point, even in my young life, where I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. I don't know if theater is worth it. You right. came out, you talked to me, you gave me that time, you answered my questions, and then you went on your day. And when I got, when I got Burr, that was like the thing I knew because of that moment, I was like, yo, I'm going to talk to everybody at the stage door, no matter what, because I remember what that was for me. Hmm. And that's this guy we got in the studio today. And that's why like, truly I, we are, I'm beyond excited to have you here. Cause like it is, I cannot tell you how full circle and surreal this is for me 
to have you on a pod on a podcast <laughs> like 15 years later. So thank you for being here. But that is that is the story of how we how we met 15 years ago. Oh man, I love that. I um it's funny because I, I, as you contacted me, I think right after you got Burr, you were yeah. maybe we found each other on Instagram or something. Yeah, yeah. Um and you were about to go on the road, maybe you were in Seattle. Uh, it was something, but it was really yeah. early on and you you told me a, um, a very condensed version of that story. Yes, and very condensed. It made me um, it made me feel great. I don't want to say it made me proud because that sounds weird. It's not that. I'm glad that that was um, our interaction. I actually have a little bit of a memory of it. It's not specific, but oh, a yeah. little bit of a memory of it. And I do remember enjoying the conversation and being challenged by your questions, which was awesome. You oh. know, it was like, why this choice or why that? What do you think? And I, and it, it not, you know, you weren't saying, what the fuck were you doing up there? Were, <laughs> not that kind of challenge, but it was just, you were curious and you weren't just saying, how do I get an agent or how, or, or yeah. how did you get on Broadway? It was like, it was really about the character. And, um, and I, and I, I really, I really enjoyed that. I, um, I'm glad that it meant a lot to you. Um, that play meant a lot to me. I yeah. enjoyed, um, I remember I, I'd seen that show a number of times and I always thought that the character was done wrong. Hmm. Um, it was always, and it's not, there's no right or wrong, but I, it was boring to me seeing this constantly. The interpretation seemed to be just this earnest figure, this person who is just like the, I'm the, uh, the shining light and I'm the do gooder. And I was like, no, no, it's not, that's not him. There's, there's a weaselish quality to this. And why <laughs> I, and so when I went into audition, I have to admit I had just that was my first Broadway show. And uh, yeah. I had just been cast in the um, uh, the Pillow Man um, yep. as well in a much smaller role, but still. So I, I, I didn't desperately need this gig, um, which always helps when you're not when you don't when you go yep. to an audition and you're not desperate. Uh, so I, I felt a certain confidence. I, I, I think I have this now anyway, but at the time I, I needed the external, maybe the safety net to be able to go in and, and have a take that was not really, um, what everyone was doing or how everyone thought about it. And I just thought this was like, just sort of a little brat in a way that yeah. he was a, like, he, he was a, like he was a lead singer in a boy band, like a really good <laughs> boy band, but like something, there was something else to it that was more fun to play. And like when early on in rehearsals, I started chewing gum during all my scenes just because I thought that Jesus. was kind of just like a disrespectful, douchey thing to do. But I think it actually made I I, I loved it. Uh, Daniel Sullivan, who directed it, um, said that he thought that it was funny and he liked the take. And he told me later because I just worked with him on a show at MTC last year. He said, yeah, when you came in with that take, I was really surprised. It's not at all what I thought but uh, of the character but it made it, it it finally made the character interesting to me and so i, I sound like i'm patting myself on the no, back no, i don't no. mean to be it's just because it's not like it's the lead role but i just think it was something interesting and it was something that surprised people and some people hated it um but i thought it was fun denzel i think hated it really um, uh, i think i annoyed him in rehearsals um <laughs> good that's kind of the point <laughs> i kind of think so too so it was you know whatever i it, i got to act with one of the greatest actors uh, you know hollywood has ever seen 
And um, I got to see him on stage for the first time in quite a while and blown away by his skill and everything and his commitment there. But it was kind of at first a little I was like, oh, no, he doesn't like me. But I think it was just he thought my character was a dick. And so why would he hang out? <laughs> That's hysterical. But it was funny. Anyway, so all that to say um, uh, that means a lot. And it was a it was a great interaction. And uh, I loved doing that play. I felt very honored to do the play. And, and- uh, yeah. And to your point, dude, I think that's kind of what what I saw. And 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 right, because when you have a text like that, when you have a text like like a Julius Caesar, right, where you, this is th- we have seen how many choices on this text, right? How many productions? How many people have done this? So the only thing you can do is bring yourself and your ideas. Right. Not to say that you're a, a gum chewing dick, but to say that <laughs> to say that the 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 courage to be like I'm. I'm just going to swing for the fences. I'm going to make a choice here and, and see how it works. And especially because I think that that is Alex, please forgive me my Shakespeare nerdiness for a second. That is such a, a nice gesture in that, again, this is to me, he is the little finger of this entire saga. Yeah. This, this is the person who somehow in, in, a, in two shows of people dying left and right, this man says, Nope, I'm here. And I, and, and I figured it out. And so it was, it was like cool just to see those kernels of it even like that was just such a great thing. Um, so yeah, man, it, it I is. love that. I love the little finger reference. And of course this was long before uh, the uh, game of Thrones was a show, but, um, but yeah, that's, that, that, that's kind of the way I thought of him. He, there, he, there was a entitled little weasel uh, in him. I had a great time and I, I had a wonderful time working with Eamon Walker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who played uh, Mark Antony. Oh yeah. He and I had a blast. Uh, he, he gave me alpha male lessons um, oh, shit. <laughs> for my, for my Denzel scenes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what, what are, if you don't mind, what were some of those lessons? <laughs> I, I um, have, we have well, to ask. So uh, there was one, <laughs> there was one time. I, well, I remember one time in rehearsal, Eamon saying, He's fucking with you, uh, and you got to fuck with him back, huh? Because I was being a little too, um, I think I was being a little too uh, careful, and so I did. And then there was a there was one preview show where he, God, we never got within our characters. Just like we're always leading our troops on the opposite sides of the yeah. stage. He came, he traveled fifteen twenty feet directly at me with the <laughs> Denzel stare. And ended up like in his nose in my nose. I hate it. And I was like, I don't know where the fuck that came from, but it was awesome. But I, I think what I, I sort of I didn't in in preparing to meet whatever was coming my way, I wasn't particularly grounded, and I took like a step back because I was off balance. Oh shit! And he took me aside and was like, "Do not ever, ever." lose your balance like it was just some sort of <laughs> like you ground you stay there and if he knocks you over make him knock you over and i was like oh okay okay <laughs> yeah and you know it wasn't i mean it, it's there was a dramatic way he did it, it there was nothing fuck, like denzel after the show that time he was like hey we're, that was a fun thing we did you know he wasn't trying to fuck with me no really. yeah but um but it was like he was throwing shit at me to see to, because that would help mix it up that would help create something kinetic between these characters who hate each other. Yes. And I didn't meet the moment that time. It was fine. And actually storytelling wise, it would be fine if this little brat was thrown off balance uh, by this move. That's fine. 
But it's more interesting if in his, uh, well, more interesting to me, uh, if in his, um, somewhere in that callow quality, in that callowness, he actually is, he is sure, like Littlefinger was sure until the moment he actually died. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler alert. Um, he was sure of himself. So it's even more interesting to me. There were a couple of times when he would throw something at me and, um, you know, I blow him a kiss or walk off stage or something. And that, um, it, it just, the dynamics were fascinating. Um, mm. the, the power dynamics were fascinating. And once I, um, fully felt comfortable in doing that, it, um, it made the, I think the, uh, those scenes better. That's, that's, it's so crazy. It's just so people don't, because what I love about that too, is it's the kind of thing that, like you said, it happened once and then you're trying different things from then on. So yeah. every, every night out of an audience is coming, they're getting a, you know, they're getting the same meal, right? right. They're, they're ordering off the same menu, but like there was a different chef in the kitchen that night. Yep. You just, it's just like those little things that, that keep it alive for you. Yeah. That's, yeah. And I, and I love it. And that's what, and it, it, I mean, people often theater people understand, but a lot of people don't understand that it's also what the audience brings in a given night. Yep. The way they react or the energy in the room. It's not even just about people always say, oh yeah, if they laugh at a joke and it's like, well, yeah, that's the obvious thing, but just an energy, there's a different energy every audience brings to a show, to every performance. And that, that affects what you do. That affects then the audience again, that affects the other actors. And it is, yes, you want the show to be within this, um, this, this, this general world, but great directors will allow great ensembles to, um, to push at the boundaries a little bit and then, um, and, and know when maybe they've gone too far or, um, you know, it's always great when a director is like, you can't go too far. And then the yep. show implodes, but, um, yep. <laughs> but Dan Sullivan was always great at that. One of the things he always, he always talked about was, um, always different, but always what we're always within the, I mean, this isn't just him, but, uh, and I don't remember his exact words, but it was basically, he loved, he loves shows that are in performances that are always different, but always, always recognizable in the world we created. Yes. Um, and playing ball. I'm for me, it's about, it's sports. I played play basketball. Sports. I love team sports. Um, and I like ensemble sports. Yep. I like ensemble. I love the five men on a court playing yep. ball with each other is a much more interesting thing to me than watching one superstar take the ball and shoot every time. Yes. And that's one of the things I, that's why I love ensemble theater. The only award I ever won was, a uh, was part of a, um, a, um, the only acting award was part of, a uh, outstanding ensemble, um, in, in a show I did. And that I could not be prouder if I had won an Emmy, you yeah. know, it's just that, that to me is, what we were doing. It's what I realized through Eamon's help. It was what I realized Denzel was doing with me. He was playing ball and he wanted me to play ball back. Well, and because you're talking about the, the, the wayside motor in, right? Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of my question, right? Because you, you know, in that, in that love of playing ball, in that love of what the audience is giving you and what the, what the actors are giving you and what the, what the set is giving you, right? All these things that come together to culminate in that, that kind of, you know, again, that, that basketball, that's, that's, that's what it is. How does that then translate to like someone like you who has done that, but you also have a prolific television career. Do you mean like, like where, what, what are the, what are the, what are the kind of parallels with that approach and the approach that you take on set? Interesting question. I mean, I, I think 
My first response to that, I guess, would be off the top of my head that because you have so much less rehearsal on TV, you almost rely even more on that back and forth playing ball, feeding off of each other, a good performance more necessarily or a good scene even more necessarily depends on intense, ferocious listening and um, and responding. Yeah. I've loved that the shows um, I've been in have generally been ensemble shows. Yep. Uh, or shows where I am definitely a part of an ensemble. I'm uh, and Sometimes you're leading the, the action and sometimes not, but in essence, they are ensemble shows. The House of Cards was a little bit different because it was just Michael Kelly and me. All of my scenes were with him. Mm-hmm. I played his brother. But again, he's... I mean, God, I, if you if, if I hope you guys are familiar with his work, he's oh, fantastic. No. Yeah. He's ridiculous. And yeah. I would love to do a play with him. I think he would be one of those guys that plays ball. So I think I think that would be the, the initial answer. I mean, the, the main difference with TV for me was the lack early on was that the lack of rehearsal made me feel much more um, technical, much more by the numbers. And there's nothing wrong with, with being technical. You want that. It probably helped me as an actor overall because I was more of a, a feeler rather than a technician. Yeah. Um, but I think being both is is the key um, to longevity anyway. But I once I started getting shows, becoming a recurring character, or I guess House of Cards was the first one. What took the place of all that rehearsal was the previous episodes you've shot. So you have... you. Rehearsal is for me, at least in one sense, is about creating a history that you can then draw on when you're doing a scene on stage. And you've created the history if you've been on a show 10, 12, 50 times, because you, you've created that history by simply doing those previous scenes. Yep. You can draw on that, not exactly the same way, but in a similar way that you can draw on your rehearsal. It's not that you're thinking about it in every moment, you're, you're, you're transcending it, but it's there. You don't need to discover your character every time you go on set to do a different episode. The character is there now. You just then have to be the character and respond to the given circumstances of the scene and what people are throwing at you, what the script has you do this time, mm. as opposed to a play where you're creating everything from the beginning. Um, right. You know, is a lot of that work put on you to do? Like, like, yeah. could you get through? Be, even if you are recurring and and you're in every episode, like, could you get by, kind of without? putting in that effort like like or or is it you kind of get out what you put in like it's on you to evolve over time because every, every episode you got a different director yeah. and and a different flow and cast members coming in and out well that is an interesting thing too what you just said about directors that that was that's a huge difference as well you rarely see the same director twice mm-hmm. uh, and that that's odd but that be, so that becomes some empowering it puts more responsibility on the actor and it becomes empowering because you then know more than the director does Hmm. But uh, is it up to you? Yeah, it's up to you. You, you th- no one has time to to walk you through what they think your backstory yeah. is this moment, what your motivation is at the t- at the moment. By the time you get to the director on set, you have a blocking rehearsal where you sort of hash out. You know, I think it'd be good maybe if you come over here because they're thinking about shots and they're thinking about physical dynamics mm-hmm. and a visual storytelling you have so you have a blocking rehearsal then you bring then they bring in the um the the crew and you show them maybe you tweak a little bit because it's not going to be great for lights and then you go away and they set up the lights and everything and then you come back and you start shooting and that's when you start getting notes from directors about well that's not really working maybe try it a little bit uh, but it there's no time for nuanced acting notes 
to me, yeah. I, sometimes people try and some people are better at receiving them. But at that point, I have a really hard time with someone trying to get into my head and say, right. Yeah. But yeah I was going to say like, like, especially seasons on, like is, is yeah. a director that you've never worked before going to tell you anything about your character that you've lived with for years? They have. I mean, I actually had, uh, unfortunately a very, very pivotal scene in, um, in the Americans where a director, we were fundamentally at odds about what was going on in, um, in my character, pastor Tim's yeah. head. And, it the 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 response that she gave the the uh, the, uh, the reasoning she gave just didn't make sense to me but i tried and tried and tried to make it work the way she wanted and then she finally at the end i was very fr- i think we both were frustrated that it wasn't working and at the end she said do it do it the way you want to do it just try it and we made did a couple takes and by that time though i i couldn't get and this is on me um speak this speaks to what you were asking about responsibility it was on me that I couldn't get that direction and my disappointment in not being able to achieve the thing I didn't think was right anyway out of my head. So I couldn't do the thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it just became a bland mush. And then I, you know, I saw this scene, which should have been a pivotal scene. And I guess was story wise, but it was just a bland mush. Um, and I remember talking to a, one of the producers about it a year later uh, just happened to mention something about a director and how that can be hard. And he was like, who, who are you talking about? And he was, and I mentioned who she was and, and he said, Oh my God, she's great. And the episode was great. It just didn't work on for me in our relationship and my character and my storyline. And I mentioned what happened and he was like, Oh yeah, you know, that is funny. I was, I, I remember being surprised that that scene didn't pop like your scenes with that character usually did. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's a long winded uh, say. It is on you. Um, yeah. I do think it's important to be civil and respectful and listen when somebody um, is brought in. Uh, they're a guest on your show, but they are they're brought in to lead that show. Yeah, to lead that episode. And so I think it's incumbent upon you to listen to to the ideas that they have, but then be able to more uh, more effectively than I did argue your points and not fight, but argue your points and, um, and be ready to do when they finally inevitably say, okay, do it, do it the way you want to do it. Let's see it. You have to deliver. And I didn't. And, but I think it was a good learning lesson, learning lesson. That's a learning lesson as opposed to the other kind of lesson. Exactly. It's a lesson you, (laughs) lesson you learn as opposed to the lesson that you, I don't know, shit out your ass. I mean, who knows? It's again, 2021 guys, we're we're doing what we got. Uh, But, but I, I I love that. I mean, here, this is actually a perfect, kind of a perfect segue into, into what I wanted to ask about. And the guys, as always, we promise there are movies in this podcast. Uh, We do eventually get to them eventually, but not now too, too many important things. Um, but but that that right you have that you have that pressure anyway right you're dealing with shows where you have new directors coming in every day or you know every shoot and and figuring out you have to kind of reground yourself in who you are and take responsibility and navigate these things that's on a regular day you're now filming in a pandemic do you know what I mean and 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 so i would imagine that there's there's even more pressure to to get these things right because there's just so much extra money going into these shoots. Um, and my question to you becomes, how are you taking care of your, your mind and your soul and your body so that you can, you know, take that, take that, that, 
not pressure, maybe there is no pressure, but if there is, how are you alleviating it at the end of the day in this, like filming in this climate? Yeah. Well, I haven't had to deal with it yet because I have yet to film. Um, Fair. My last day uh, shooting anything was uh, was March 12th on the Billion set. So oh, wow. I have not done anything beyond um, uh, uh, a YouTube talk show that I started with someone and uh, a couple other things, but nothing on set. Um, I would guess that, yes, there will be more pressure. Thank you for pointing that out. That'll be in my brain now. Sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Isn't it just I, so hard? <laughs> I think TV is generally, you know, you get you got to knock it out much more than film. So in a way, if you've done a lot of it, you'll get used to that. This will just be a little bit more pressurized. If you get more than three takes, maybe more, but definitely more than five takes, then you're probably behind. Mm. Um, so I, I think it's just going to be what we're used to a little on steroids. Yep. Um, and we are looking, I mean, we're, things are looking good for us being back to shooting this spring, which is great. The thing that's going to kill me is, I mean, I got involved in theater to begin with partially because I was, you know, I don't know, I was a loud mouth and, um, I liked entertaining people and making people laugh, but I also just love the camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, the green room is my favorite place to be. I loved Julius Caesar because they were big, sprawling dressing rooms with tons of guys like making each other laugh. And I love being on set in an ensemble piece like Billions, where they're just there's a bunch of us and we're texting each other even while we're filming. If we're in the background, we're having drinks in someone's dressing room after we're done. And it's just it's um, that's going to be different and that's going to be hard. Yep. Uh, just it, 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 yeah. No, I got I got nothing. That's that's going to be a huge part of uh, of the bummer of going back to work. It's it's truly it is a ridiculous thing to think about, and that's that's why I say you know I, I I'm just always interested to hear even even offset just how people are taking care of themselves, especially yeah. artists, because the world that we're going to go back into when yeah. when we go when you go back to set when you know when I go back to the to the imperial these are. This is, it's going to be a very different thing. And even that is going to be not, you know, traumatic, I know sounds so, so dramatic, but, but it is a state of trauma. It is that, that change of like, oh yeah, we can't, we might not be able to do that thing. And that, right. th that thing is so much a part of who we are, but that's, I mean, that is also, uh, Another another brilliant segue by me. Thank you. Also, so much of, so much of the reason that I I love what you do off camera and off stage in terms of your using your platform for for change. You know what I mean? Because that that is what it's going to take. Is how do we build these safe spaces? Um, you know, so so uh, final question, and then I promise we'll talk about movies. But <laughs> but where where did that where did that start for you? I know I know that you kind of have a lineage of of standing up and and making change in the world. The political activism, you mean social activism? That that in that entire thing. Yeah, I I mean I grew up in a family. I've got a photograph that I think I posted recently. Um, I was one or two, and my sister was a year older. We were marching against the Vietnam War, uh, and my dad is in a suit and um, combed hair, and he always uh, he was a he became a politician years later. He be, he was a congressman for eighteen years. Mm -hmm. um, a uh, liberal Democrat, progressive Democrat, but he was always like 
not a hair out of place. People always thought he looked like a Republican, but he voted like it was like looks like Barry Goldwater votes like Bella Abzug was what um, one of his opponents said. And Love it. If you guys don't know who Bella Abzug is, who's any of you listening, you look her up. She was she was incredible. Yep. So, yeah, it just if I grew up in a family and I've said this before, but I've gr- I grew up in a family where the phrase fight the good fight was used all the time and never ironically there was something that an idea it was it was good trouble it was there, fight the good fight uh, there's a fight there are things worth fighting for there are things worth losing your reputation for there are things worth uh losing money for and um and i guess that that never left me my mom my dad was you know as i mentioned he was a, he was a us congressman he was in the state legislature for four years my mom was an activist before that and remains an act, uh, like the truest moral compass I've ever seen in my life, maybe except for my wife. So I have people around me who who give a shit as well. Yeah. And um, I'm not one of those people that thinks actors know better than anybody else. But I, I do think we're among the few people who are told that we shouldn't have a voice. And that always pisses me off. And yeah. especially since I... I grew up in this shit. This was my lane. People tell me to stay in my lane. That was my lane before acting was ever my lane. So, you know, fuck off. Uh, <laughs> apologies. I assume I can swear on this. I, oh, no, I didn't no, ask before. Fucking okay. swear, please. Yeah, motherfucker. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, I, and I'm also, I have to say, I am lucky to be working on a show where they don't try to muzzle me. Yep. <laughs> I hate to use that word right now. But, People like Josh Hawley say, saying they're being muzzled. Yikes. I love that Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz <laughs> say that they're being muzzled and that Trump's being like everything. They're being muzzled on the front page of the New York Post. Right. Like, it's- yeah. OK. And Donald Trump in his last year, in his last days, was being muzzled when he could call a press conference any fucking time he wanted. Like that was dude. I'm sorry. To, that was what I fucking hated more than it's like people were complaining like, oh, my God, he took his Twitter away. Guys, he literally has a press room. Like, literally has a press room <laughs> like what are you talking about yeah he's the he's the president of the united states he is i'm sorry if i'm losing your viewership but he oh, was the worst that. president in the history of the united states and a seditionist who tried to overthrow the government um uh, in the election but yeah. he still had the press room press yeah. corps wanting to hear what he had to say oh Pro- almost to a fault not even almost to a fault sometimes yes anyway um so i I just I can't help it. I get into trouble and I'm lucky that my my the people who uh, run Showtime and the people who run Billions don't seem to care. Or if they do care, they don't say anything. And we have a showrunner who is one of one of the show one of our showrunners is uh, uh, even more uh, blatantly um, uh, well more vociferous than I am. So so I, I do feel lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And and but it's but it it, sh- it shows. And I think I mean, if there's a theme of everything that you're talking about, you know, everything we talked about for the first 35 minutes is is truly that idea of impact and that idea that, yeah, you you have a platform, you're going to say something, you you have the space to try things in a space, you're going to try them like, like just just the idea of doing things, whether it's in your own acting career or your, you know, your your so your social activism work. Um it, it's just you you are i there is so much about how you have handled your career that i'm like yo that's that's the guy um so it's very nice that's very nice i know that we're 35 minutes in we have to get to movies but can i just ask you a question oh, please ask go for and it. um so what is it like 
working on the coolest fucking theater piece of the last 50 years. What is it? What was that like? And you were you were with the two you yeah. toured and you were I was on Broadway too, yeah. And you were on Broadway too. That's what I thought. Uh, for how long? A year? Broadway was a, two years and two years. Two years and tour was two years, yeah. I so I joined right at the Tony, right? So it was literally Lynn was about to leave, Leslie was about to leave, and then go through the whole the whole thing, the whole rigmarole, man. That's I mean, that's amazing. I um I met Leslie. Yep. We were doing um a TV show just like we we're both guest stars and I had seen him do oh shoot what was that show on Broadway the musical based on the Steve Martin movie oh my uh, god leap of faith leap of faith I saw yep. it because I had worked at La Jolla Playhouse and yep. I knew the director um and hey, Chris, I thought Chris Ashley yeah I love Chris Ashley uh, he's fantastic and we we bonded over that I was like I just saw you six months ago yep. and you were fantastic. And I thought there was a lot of, there was a lot of fun stuff in the show. It wasn't perfect, but I thought there was a lot of good stuff in the show and he was brilliant. I was, and, yeah. and my wife and I were like, that guy's a star. Yeah. And, um, and it was fun to be across the desk from him. And so we bonded over knowing Chris, we bonded over that. And then I happened to write him an email or t- whatever it was where we exchanged, I think maybe it was through Facebook. And I just said, Hey, I know it's a long shot, but do you have, and this is literally right before the review came out, the, yep. the Times review that said about Hamilton, yes, it is that good. That was the first paragraph. Yes, it was. I wrote and said, any chance of getting house seats? Obviously, pay for, we'll pay for them, but uh, just just curious. No, no, uh, Ignore us if you're getting too many offers. And he wrote back like that day and said, actually, yeah, it's expensive, but it's worth it if you want to come. Uh, and so we did. We got to see, that was about a week before, I asked him about a week before we got the tickets. Yep. The review came out and everyone went even more nuts and we yep. got to go see it. And there were good seats, you know, and I felt so fucking lucky because I'm sure that even then he was getting inundated. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to go back and see it again. I, I I wanted to go see it after we got to know each other. I wanted to see you. Yeah, man. But you couldn't get tickets. It was a it was a hot ticket. It was a, it was hot, a, bit ticket. a hot ticket. A bit of a hot ticket. Fun, fun being your best friend, though, because like I got to see it. Four times, yeah, you've maybe? seen it too many times. You have <laughs> just like every time you four time? something like that. Well, because because he'd be flying around the country, and every now and then I'd be like, "Well, I'm going to go visit him in Seattle. I'm going to go mm. to Denver, like, like just because why not? Good excuse. I can see Hamilton again. Um, <laughs> hate you, hate your guts. So it just became this kind of casual thing, you know, like great seats every time because they're like the cast member seats, like kind of middle up the row, and and right. uh, and then I go, you know, meet up afterwards. All the fans are trying, you know, at the door trying to get. He had to like. I remember pulling up out. You were getting out of a show when I gotten into Seattle. Yep. And I had to pull up around back to where the theater was, and I saw. I'm like looking for you, and I see this guy in a giant hoodie. I hate you. <laughs> completely covered, <laughs> trying to like, and a huge mob of people right nearby. It was like a movie. I trying to like guts. avoid the rabid fan base. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> Did you ever tape him? Did you ever film like, him? Snuck into the there have been, there have absolutely. Oh my been god, people. it's Nick Walker! I hate that shit. It's so, but here's the thing. I don't hate. I don't hate it because. It is very, I am, in answer to your question, Kelly, it was to be a part of that show um, and to be there at the time that I was there when, when it truly was like, like, you know, after the review, but right at the Tony's, like this thing took off and the things that you're experiencing as a part of that, as being a part of that show are unlike anything you've ever experienced ever anywhere. And um, so that was, that was insane in, in itself. And then to, to get, Burr, 
Um, yeah. And to kind of join that that little fraternity, that that little group chat, you know, and 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 all the like like I said, all the pressures that come with it because you are then you know it's it's my company, so I'm starting this company. Um, you know, like Lynn and Tommy are very, very good bosses, but like they, they want you like, they, like you talk about sports metaphors. They are truly like Tommy is the king of like the, this is the football team and, and Burr and Ham are the QBs, right? Mm-hmm. So like you, and it's not just about how you're, as you know, it's not just about your, your work on stage, but it's like, how are you helping create the community yeah. of this building and how are you doing that? And, and so it, it was it was the most work I've ever done, except for, you know, uh, most work I've ever done, but also the most I've ever gotten out of a job and, and yeah. changed my life, changed my entire career. Things, doors have yeah. opened up now that I would have never been opened five years ago. Um, yeah. so that, that part of it was insane. But I, I, the one thing I will say is I, I have never been more tired at the end of the day <laughs> than doing that show. That show takes it, that show kills you. That it really, it, it is a beast and a monster um, to do. And, and when you go ahead, when you were on, uh, on the road, um, did you have, well, I know on Broadway you had eight shows, yep. but I'm curious. I'm assuming. Oh, you, were on, you talk about that four show weekend, five show weekend. So yeah. Did you have double Wednesdays or did you have double Sundays? Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, oh. Sunday, wow. five show weekend, dude, by the end of it, we all, <laughs> there's pictures if you, uh, of us on, on the interwebs, uh, we would take liquid ginseng, of course, <laughs> for Sunday night. Because like, there's actually, guys, I'm so serious. There's no way. There's no way you're doing it. Like, it's just not like you get you show up. You show up. Like, I I would. Sl- I'm the king of sleeping in my dressing room. Like, I deck out my dressing yeah. room. You put the put the couch in there. Put the you know the the nice little lights so you can fall asleep. Um, but I would I would go to sleep. And I also have these. Alex makes fun of me for these, but these they're they're called Normatech. You ever heard of the Normatech boots, Kelly? No, no. dude. Okay, these I'm about to change your life, bro. These shits are the real You're deal. About to have your mind blown, blown, blown. It's it's so it's I, I heard about them because um, uh, uh, Adrian Warren was using them over at Tina, uh, for Tina Tina Turner, and you know obviously that show is literally all her legs. Um, she is being incredible and and doing incredible things. Um, but they are these boots that are basically like compression boots, but they are it's like air pumped into them, so you are basically getting like all, flushing out all the the lactic acid and fluids that are that are cramping up oh. your muscles and you can sit in these things and it's like i mean you you come out with bionic legs like it's so i i use them at intermission and i'm using them uh the night after i'm done with the show because burr is all the trick bag of burr uh is it's all stairs and oh, all Jesus. jumps right and squats so like you're just your your calves your your uh quads your hams are, 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 you have to take care of them. Um, but these things oh, yeah. saved my life, bro. Save my I'm life. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to text that to me. I'm going to text that link. To but, that, but what you said that that's so interesting too. Like I, I, I remember the show so vividly and, and watching it when we, um, when it came out, uh, Disney had the, whatever, it was great. It was great to see it, but yeah. we, we actually didn't finish it. Cause it was like, no, I want a lot. Yeah. We wanted our memories of the live performance. Yep uh to, to be fresh it was great it's great for people who haven't seen it i'm not and then no, i don't watch mean that in a facetious yeah. way watch it everybody watch it but it's still different um but anyway so my overall impression of that show and i'm a theater guy and i know this stuff yeah was that I, if you'd asked me i would have been like oh yeah uh, burr is really still um 
But that's so not true, because now that you talk about the stairs, it's like, oh, he was always up and down. And there was a, you you were constantly in that sort of they call it athletic position, yes. right? Like you're in ready athletic position, like you're about to play defense in basketball or something like there, there's your debt. Your, yeah, you were always in that sort of ready, ready to go state. And you don't even think about that. But that's part of the choreography. But that's not obvious to the untrained eye. That's why I, I thought it would have been fun to play the king in that show because he comes on oh. just a couple times. Oh he's just God. like, here I am. Everybody laughs and loves it. He like yeah. immediately eats the audience up and then sits on stage for a couple minutes and then leaves. And like, <laughs> I am not, I'm not trying to put anyone's business out there, but here's what I will say. It is the most coveted white man role on Broadway because <laughs> it is not for, for like, so like least effort, highest reward. A good, a good consistent six figure like great six figure job for nine minutes <laughs> like nine minutes y'all it is out of control and meanwhile i'm sitting there like getting my getting my freaking right. it bands deep needled every fucking wednesday <laughs> yeah but your legs are gonna look better than the kings at that's the end right. of the road. oh dude yeah. that's what we like that's what we, that's that was the goal um but, but it's yeah, all about the leg it's all about those legs but it's so you're you're so right man and it, it really is this this thing of like you just real and, and again i i hate when actors are you know the like the thing of like oh what we do is so hard it's not about that right but it is it is the realistic pragmatic thing of like yeah if you want to do this eight shows a week for two to four years here's what has to happen that you so that you can sustain that and that's what that yeah. show was for me was just learning like and also quite frankly learning that i could do that learning that i was yeah. capable of of sustaining because i i didn't think i could do it i was like yo i'm about to fall apart right now this is gonna be terrible right. um but but lynn what was your what was your first contract was it a year it was yeah the, i was on a year i mean every contract that i had was a year and right. they would, they would, you know, they, they, kept, I mean, they kept me around and like, and that was the thing too. I, you have to understand, I would have, I would have stayed till the end of time. The, the only thing that, that, that had me jump into ain't you proud, um, was quite frankly, I, I missed my wife. Like I, I, you yeah. know, being on the road was amazing, but I'm like, I, I just, I got, I, I got married when I joined the show and I haven't had but a year living with my wife as a married man, um, wow. you know I mean? So like it, it was like, yeah, we, I, I gotta, I gotta get back, you know? So that was it. Yeah. That, but I would have, I would have done it forever. And they were, they, they truly, like you said about, about Julius Caesar, it, this was easily the one, you know, the best theatrical experience we've ever had, like truly a, a gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. <clears throat> Alec, you were pretty, you were pretty active at the, at the side door, right? Like you'd oh, be out there dude, almost I was, every show. Every, I swear to God, every night, every, every, yeah. every perform, And that's, I, and even, so even when COVID hit, this is, again, this is uh, Kelly, I'm, I'm just trying to make oh, sure. Oh, you were still doing the show during, uh, during COVID? I was doing, so we, we were doing Ain't, Ain't, you, Ain't you Proud. Yeah. yeah. We were doing Ain't You Proud, but even, even when, cause they started cutting stage door like policy right you couldn't you, as as the virus got more and more into or let me say this as donald trump didn't take care of his country and the virus sure. eked into the country more you know they were cutting stage door that you couldn't have people backstage but even then i my dressing room was right on 46 like literally you know lean out the window and i can see the crowd so i would just like pop in from there like i would figure up oh, up until the last one figure out a way to do it that's amazing that is that is amazing i mean just parenthetically, you were talking about how at Caesar, Denzella was always thronged by his crowd. One of the things I always admired about him was that he was out 
signing autographs for a minimum of 45 minutes after every performance. Yeah. Not every day, every performance. So on double days, he was out after the matinee and then he would nap and eat and then he would do another show and then he was out in the evening. And um, he, someone was saying, and he, it, what, there was a day where he was just obviously tired and of course. was like, well, why don't you do? No, he's, he's like, no, I, look, I haven't done a show in X many years. These are the people who gave me the career I have. Um, if they didn't give a shit, I wouldn't have a career. And this is I, th- this is the first chance I've had, they've had to interact with each other in, I don't know, I'm making this up, 25 years since Soldiers Play. I think. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so I'm going to do it. And I just thought that was such, that was so fucking cool. Um, and I love that you did that too. I think that's great. Well, I think that's great. And again, I did it because of you, man. Like that's I think that's <laughs> the whole story. Like you, you just never know who you're. And you talk about impact. You never know who's out there. And that, like truly, I would not be doing what I do had it not been for that moment. I, I it, it was it was such a defining moment of just like of just realizing that like people want to when you do something like that, people want to connect. People want to know. Yeah. And if you if you can give them time, I'm not saying that like people who don't stage door are bad people. They're not. Sure, of course. But like if you can give them that time, like give them that fucking time. They paid so yeah. much money to see you. You know. I'm curious. Did you um, uh, you can you can edit as much of this out oh, as no. you want. You'll never offend me. Um, uh, but I am curious because um, were you like me? Uh, I, I had no. My mom sang, but never professionally. My dad was a politician, and there's a performative quality to that. Uh, you're in front of people and everything, and you have to you have to tell stories. You have to get your story, yeah. your message across. But I never had anybody in my family who was a professional performer, and so the very few times I interacted with people when I was growing up, um, even through high school, who who actually had made careers out of it, uh, or at least could put me in touch with people who had careers of it. Uh, they, they were incredibly formative and buoying. Uh, and I do think that because I had so few of those, that led to some of the audacity that I lacked early on that yeah. I had to uh, I had to figure out how to uh, cultivate, if that makes any sense. Makes complete sense. Um, and I'm wondering, so for you, did you have that in your in your family? Did you have was I'm not. I'm not saying it's about me specifically, but like, were there, were there things that happened to you as you were growing up that actually made you realize, oh, that's a path. That's a viable path. Cause that would, those were, that was the sort of way of framing a life in theater or life in acting. And it was life in theater initially for me that I, that's yeah. what I was aiming for that, that framed that as something that was possible for you. Dude. Uh, no, I, I'm going to, I'm going to even do you one better. I don't know if you know, Kelly, we, we get really real on this show. Talk about mm-hmm. real shit all the time. Sweet. So this will be this will be one of those times. Uh, Alex, this might even have to be a two parter, bro. I, it's going to absolutely have gonna, to be a two parter. That's, that's <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I no, just, I talk. No, no, it's perfect. No more okay. content for us. Exactly. You're, you're literally okay, our butts. We don't have to do anything more. Um, <laughs> no. So, dude, you know what it was for me? Um, there was. Three, I'd say there's three things that go into this. Number one, you're. You know, no, no, nobody in my family was an entertainer. Um, my mother was a news anchor. Oh, wow. my mother was the she was the first black news anchor in New England, actually. Uh, and she was on BZ for 30 years. And then and then she went to Harvard Divinity became to become a preacher. Um, 
And what's funny is, so she's a preacher now. Her father was a preacher. His father was a preacher. So that's a long, like there's a long, long line of that. But so th- in that sense, you know, people who know communication and know, and know mm-hmm. how to do that, but, but nobody who's acting, nobody's performing. So that's on one prong. On the other prong uh, was a, and again, I'm not saying anything nobody does know, but a stepfather who definitely had certain ideas or an ex-stepfather, I should say, who had certain ideas about masculinity and what mm. that looks like. So not only do I not have anybody who's performed, but I'm told that all the reading I do and all the all the writing I do are things that make me, you know, sorry if I'm not trying to offend anyone, but a pussy, right? Yeah. All these things that I'm being told this is not. So I am at this point in my life thirsty to find people who do this, who who are thinking as deeply and analytically about this as I am and are and making a career of it. At 100%, it is it mm. is absolutely that for me and did, and who and did you find so how, yeah. who did you find who so, were the people early on that you found it was crazy dude uh my you know there was these two guys the first people that i ever wrote with were these two guys uh at my at my church uh who were trying to write a play about being a, a young black man in 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 the world and um and that that was a huge thing for me. And then you have to also understand, like, because my mom worked the job she worked, I was, you know, she she was coming home late at night. My babysitters were movies. So mm. like, and this is something that me and my wife and I think Alex too share, like we grew up on these films. So like I was I was very much the person who was watching Robin Hood men in tights over and over and over <laughs> trying to figure out why that was funny. Like yeah. that was me as a kid. And so, so my heroes became those people on screen. And, and also I, I would say the other, you know, uh, again, these are not people I've met, but like also was a huge Mark Twain fan. Um, oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Huge. So like that, you know, looking back at that, like even sidebar when the, when the tour came through, uh, Kansas city, I, I, t- I kidnapped my, my Lafayette Jefferson and my Mulligan Madison, uh, and took them to Hannibal because it's like two, an hour and a half away. And Hannibal is Mark Twain's birthplace. And he based his town uh, in in uh, Tom Sawyer series off of Hannibal, Missouri. St. Petersburg is like street for street Hannibal. And they preserved it as such. Um, oh, wow. Oh, no. it's I mean, you can literally see Tom Sawyer's house, Huck Finn's house, everybody there. They got the white picket fence. Like, it's all there. It's it's kind of insane. Um so did you, were you able to be like, okay, that, that yeah. has to be the white picket fence Dude, that he tricked them into painting. I, I didn't have to do that. They have it. They have it marked out. <laughs> like they've literally preserved it. Like that's Becky Thatcher's house. That's where Judge Thatcher lived. Like it's, wow. and, and like even the cave, there's a whole story about the cave. Cause like mm-hmm. that, the, those kids in the 1800s were playing in these dark caves, y'all. And it was not safe. And, and they shouldn't have been doing that. I don't know who allowed them to just like, oh yeah, let them go play in the cave. It was terrible. Um, but like they didn't like kids back then. They, they really, were like, you know what? I could do with one less kid. Fuck kids. That's what they <laughs> said. <laughs> Fuck kids. But like that was that was it for me. Those were the things that were keeping me going in these moments of right. trauma. And and I'll add the three. The third prong is, um, you know, I was growing up a young black kid in white Irish Boston. So like there was a lot of 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 kind of being pushed aside that right. that pushed me into a place where I was I was looking for those people and and so whenever I found someone with an artistic bent I was just like a fucking vacuum like give me everything you got my my high school teachers um had a theater company in downtown Boston 
And so I would go to see those shows. And there's like a fringe theater, but like truly some of the best theater I've ever seen, like this little black box theater doing some like edgy stuff. But it was great. And they and yeah. it's still going. 20 years later, that theater company is still going. Um, What's the theater company? Company One. Company One in Boston. Okay. And they and I've I've I truly like I, I, you know, donate to them every year. Like they they have been going strong for for a long time now. Um and they're 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 uh, based over at Boston Center uh, the uh, Boston Center for the Arts that that whole plaza right on Tremont if you know it. Um, it's I don't know Boston all that well, but um, but that's I love that I love that story and I love that you're still connected to it. Oh yeah, man. So that's so that's it. You know, it's it really I think I think exactly like you're saying when you know that this is what you want to do and there's a vacuum there for mm-hmm. it, you you absolutely seek it out and you and you try to find it and you try to figure it out for yourself and. Um, and that's what I did. That's I. That's that's what I. That's I mean. That's what this is. That's what. That's literally what this this podcast is. Is still right. doing that. Um, just trying to you know glean this information and, and like enjoy these things that we enjoy. Whoa, 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 whoa! Let's slow the roll because we are clearly the ball is rolling right now. We are talking about ridiculous things. Uh, but you know you're getting to know Kelly, our amazing, amazing guest, and uh, you know this has been wonderful. But I think we need to break here because. Otherwise, we won't. We won't ever break. Alex, do you think we'd ever break if we didn't we stop? We won't ever stop. We won't we, ever we stop. We don't stop. You'll see next week, we just keep going. And yeah. if we had a choice, and I think if Kelly had a choice too, we, we'd still be there. This is we, this is weeks later, we'd still be on that call. In true WandaVision fashion, maybe we are still there. Maybe this is happening as we speak. If, right? you, yeah. if you had WandaVision powers, if you could, if you could cope with your trauma by yeah. enveloping everything around you in, like a, in a fictional... <laughs> Yeah. Idealized universe. Is yeah. this is this what it would be anyway? Yeah, but we'd call it Deadwood. So anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> so come back. Just cut it there. <laughs> just cut it there. Just cut it there. Just no, but, it. but I do want to say come back for more Little Justice part two of our of our talk with Dollar Bill. Part two coming soon. Dollar Dollar Bill, y'all. Bye. Little Justice. Little Justice, Little Justice, fuck yeah. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists. What they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.